Beloved, our call to worship tonight is from Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 22. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, as we just sang, we consider our own mortality and the pilgrim identity of believers. And tonight we wish to reflect on our mortality in light of the cross and the death of Christ. So let's turn to Luke 23, Luke 23, verse 39 to 49. Luke 23, 39 through 49. And one of the malefactors which were hanged reeled on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that sight, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Our text tonight is from Luke 23, verse 46, Jesus' last word from the cross. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Well, children, just want to refresh your memory from last Sunday night. We heard at Sunday night's message of those two thieves and how they were hanging there and how they were fighting for their breath, how each breath was, was agony and pain, and how they used those last breaths of their lives to curse Christ. But as we focus on the middle cross, 
tonight. That same agony, that same pain is experienced by Christ. As he too struggled for breath, much like these thieves. But as Christ struggled for breath, he also spoke. But his words are very different. Rather than cursing, Christ spoke words of comfort, words of hope, words of gospel. He speaks hope to the thirsty when he said, I thirst. He speaks hope into human relationships when he says to John, My son, behold your mother. And to his mother, Mother, behold your son. He speaks hope to thieves, workers of evil. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He speaks hope to the lonely and to the abandoned, to the miserable, stuck in sin. When he cries out in his agony, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He speaks to those who work for their own salvation. When he cried out, It is finished. He speaks hope to dying humanity when he cries out with his final breath, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Words of hope, words of comfort, Words of life, this was the focus of the last hours and the last breaths of the Savior. We have the common expression, famous last words. That expression can be used in a positive sense. If we think of historical figures and the last words that they spoke, we would label those words famous last words. Or we use it sarcastically if someone who says something and and all of a sudden something happens to them and they're marked out by a miserable end or a pointless tragedy or a tragic fall and we say, oh yeah, famous last words. They go down in their pride. But the point of raising that expression is this. What words would you want to be remembered by? If you could speak last words and you knew they were your last, what words would you want people to remember you by? Well, tonight we come to the last words, famous last words of Christ. They are words that bring us into the very heart of the Savior and His redemptive work. Our theme tonight is this, Christ's final word in dying. Christ's final word in dying. They first of all display his filial faith. 
his son-like faith. They display his faith in God. The hours of agony and suffering are, are coming to a close for Christ. His last energy is, is marshaled into this one cry. Luke wants us to know that it's not just a whisper. There is one more thing that the, the world needs to hear from the lips of Christ. One more thing for those surrounding the cross to hear, for Luke to record in this gospel history. Listen to how he begins this last sentence. Father, Father, the hellish agonies of God's forsakenness are now past. And it's Jesus' faith that has sustained him until this moment. When God forsook him, he had lost that, that sense of, of God's favorable presence. Though there was no rupture in the relationship between the Father and the Son, yet the realization, the experience, the enjoyment of that relationship was, was disrupted because of the curse that came upon Christ, because of the wrath of God that came upon him in those moments. But now the hour of wrath has passed. And once more, Christ comes, as it were, into the enjoyment. He, he reaches for that relationship with His Father. And He cries out, Father, as He focuses on the final stretch, as it were, of His humiliation, the final step to death. What is it that sustains Him? It's this relationship with His Father. He lives with a dependent heart upon His Father right to the very end. This natural relationship, as I said, was never broken. Though it was obscured from view as Jesus bore the full weight of God's wrath for sin. But now here it is in the foreground again as Jesus cries out once more, Father, In his moments of dying, in his last breaths, he had the comfort, the greatest comfort in the knowledge that he had God as his Father. It speaks to relationship. It speaks to not forsakenness now, but a relationship of familiarity and comfort of surrendering himself to his Father in dying. As Jesus cries out, it demonstrates His son-like faith in His Father, His unwavering trust in God as His Father. As He dies, Jesus relates to His Father and draws comfort and strength as He faces the last enemy of death. But how can we relate this cry to us tonight? It relates to us in this way. For the faithful, for the believer, it reminds us that Christ hung there in our place. He hung there as our elder brother. In the midst of His suffering, He lives out of that relationship with His Father, father that natural sonship. The only begotten Son of God hangs there in these moments of death and He takes hold of that relationship with His Father as our elder brother. But more than that, as he's dying, as he takes hold of his father in those moments, he secures the relationship of the adoptive sonship 
for believers. Whereby we call God our Father. Whereby we can take hold of God as our Father as, as we face our own mortality. As we face our own death. This one word, Father, uttered by Jesus is full of unspeakable comfort. Especially as we know that our death is certain and sure. Part of the curse, remember. When God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. They ate of that fruit and they died. And so this one word is full of comfort. In the midst of the prospect of death and in the midst of dying, There's unspeakable comfort for a believer in this relationship with God as our Father. We follow, as it were, in the footsteps of Christ. He, the the natural only begotten Son, and we as the adoptive sons and daughters of God can draw comfort in this relationship, this most intimate of relationships with God the Father. Not even death can break that relationship. But as Jesus is dying here, and as he takes hold of that relationship with his Father, he points out that death is the last hurdle into the full enjoyment of that relationship with God. Remember the words of 1 John 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Jesus takes hold of that relationship. He takes hold of his Father. He teaches us to do the same, those who are believers. If Jesus had that son-like faith, that filial faith that sustained him in dying, how much more he calls us to, to live with the same faith in dying as well. Father, Father, is that on your lips as you live life, as you face death? What was natural to Christ in his relationship with the Father comes to believers through the grace of the cross so that we can cry, Abba, Father. For unbelievers tonight, it reminds you, doesn't it, of what you lack tonight. You lack this intimacy of relationship with God. You, you're facing death alone. Without the comfortable presence and favor of God, without the faith in this, in this Father to sustain you. But here is Jesus tonight. Signaling to you from the cross that there is hope for sinners. There's incredible hope for sinners. He fully trusted in his Father in the hour of death to give sinners like you the power to become the sons of God, to make you alive, to become sons and daughters of God. And so we see the gospel is contained in this one word, Father, whereby Jesus demonstrates his son-like faith in his Father 
calls believers to do the same. But this word from the cross also glorifies Christ's sovereign power in the hour of death. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. This unwavering trust in the Father also speaks to His sovereign power as He submits Himself, as He lays Himself in the hands of of the Father. There's no better place to to lay our lives like Christ did than in the hands of, of God the Father. The One who has given Him life in the womb of Mary, He now puts His life back into the hands of His Father. Moments before, Jesus had cried out, it is finished. A statement of accomplishment. The accomplishment of salvation. All of salvation was finished in the death of Christ. As He's finished His work of salvation, He can now, as it were, roll Himself into the hands of the Father and say, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. His work is finished. But even this statement, into thy hands I commit my spirit, is a statement of accomplishment. Because it indicates to us that Jesus is in control of his own death. His sovereign power dominates death. The final act of his death is his offering to his Father for sin. The covenant obligations are fulfilled, and now Jesus can say, it's finished. Here I am, Father. I'm returning back to you. This tells us that Christ was not a victim. He was not a victim. He was not helpless. He was not abused and killed by His Father as some modern theologians would like to argue, calling that what happened on the cross cosmic child abuse by God the Father. This last word from the cross destroys that that very notion. Christ was in control, together with His Father, to accomplish salvation. He is the power over the very moment of His death, over His very last breath. How do we know that? Well, let's back up in Scripture. In Luke nine fifty one, we read, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Christ was on mission. Nothing was going to diverge him from that mission. In John 2, 4, Jesus rebukes his mother that his time had not yet come at the wedding in Cana of Galilee as he began his ministry. He reminded Mary that she should not force the issue. Reminding us that Christ was always in control of the moment when He would offer Himself up as the sacrifice for sin. In John ten eighteen, Jesus again returns to the theme of His sovereign power over His own death. He says, No man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. In his final cry, he glorifies his sovereign power over death. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. It's a statement of power, isn't it? It's into the sovereign hands of his Father that he commits his spirit, his life. 
This was his hour, his timing, his purpose. He is in control of his last breath. He will not expire a moment too soon or a moment too late. He fulfills the perfect plan of the Father as the sacrifice, as the atonement for sin. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that Christ was in control of his own death? If Christ was only a victim, what kind of Savior would he have been? He wouldn't have been a Savior. It's important to understand that Christ was in control over his own death. Because otherwise his death would have been ineffectual. It would have been beyond his control. He would have been subject to the influences and, and, and machinations of man. And the Apostle Peter in Acts 2 clearly shows that the machinations of man and the predeterminate counsel of God came together in the death of Christ. But it was, it was God's sovereignty that controlled the whole thing. And we see that here. This was God's plan of salvation, not man's. This was God's Savior, not man's. To the very last moment, Jesus demonstrates His sovereign power over death. We read in Luke 23, verse 46, And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. Not, He died. That's a common expression we we use of the death of Christ, don't we? But he gave up the ghost. Speaks of his sovereign power over death. Death was not something that merely happened to Jesus. Jesus controlled the very moment and act of death. That's what we need to take away from these words tonight. It was a voluntary death. It teaches us that he's a willing savior willing to go to the point of death, through death, and to rise again. He's the Lord of death, and thus also could be the Lord of life. Again, these words are of tremendous comfort for believers tonight, aren't they? Sometimes we struggle with death with the thought of death, and we forget that Christ was sovereign over death. Sometimes we wonder what our death will be like. Will it be painful or painless? Some of you are struggling with those questions even tonight in a very real way as as you know death is just around the corner as you wrestle with cancer and other sickness. Will my death be difficult or easy? Will it be dark or will it be light? Will it be full of agony or will it be full of comfort? As you reflect on your own death, remember this, that Jesus is sovereign over death. If you're a believer tonight, He has promised to be with you in the valley of the shadow of death. 
As Jesus faced his death, he helps us face ours with hope, with faith, even with confidence. Because Jesus is the victor over death. He was ultimately in control. He will grant you that power to face death and go through death and ultimately overcome death. In His sovereign power over death. In the words of Psalm 23, we can simply say that death is a shadow. A shadow has no substance, does it? You try to chase your shadow, children, and you'll never grasp anything. For a believer who rests in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, death is a shadow. No longer has substance. Though it's the last enemy, yet that enemy is put in its proper perspective. As you look to your sovereign Lord over death. Christ's final word in dying thirdly anticipates his imminent victory, his near victory. Some might view the cross tonight and say Christ was defeated. Yet the last word of Christ from the cross gives us a different perspective. These are not words of defeat in which Christ succumbed to death helplessly. But these words of Christ from the cross anticipate his near victory over death. It's close. He commits his spirit to his Father in in faith. What does faith do? What does Hebrews 11 tell us? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If this is a statement of Christ as he submits his life back to the Father, what is he hoping for? life on the other side. Life on the other side of death. This faith in His Father is an anticipation of the resurrection. The final victory over death as Christ would rise again from the grave, that place of the dead. Why would Jesus say these words, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit, if He was not looking ahead to the resurrection. His last words would be the end of the story and we could close our Bibles and go home hopeless. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's a statement of faith in the Father's saving purposes that He will raise Jesus again from the grave. That's the substance that Jesus was hoping for as He died in, in His last moments. Jesus' sovereign power over death presupposes His victory in the resurrection. Jesus said as much in John 10, 17 and 18, Therefore doth my Father love me, You hear that relationship again? My Father loved me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. This is what Jesus hoped for. His victory was close. It was near. Though Jesus would die, the victory is already contained in seed form in these words of faith and hope beyond the grave. He committed himself to his Father in death with the promise, with the commandment of his Father that he would rise again from the dead by the Holy Spirit, as Paul says in Romans 1.4, the Spirit of holiness who raised Christ from the dead. Again, we see this dimension the relationship between the Father and the Son. We see that the dimension of that relationship reflected in as Christ, in Christ as the elder brother of, of believers. These words of Christ signal the completion of His saving acts on the cross whereby His sacrifice is completed. He laid down His life sovereignly. It tells believers tonight that salvation is accomplished in the death of Christ. That's where we rest for our full salvation and redemption from sin. There is no hope of salvation apart from the death of Christ. Because it's in that death that He bore the wrath of God against sin. And He made payment for sin. And yet there's more to redemption. There's more to salvation. As Christ shows us in these words. Death paves the way for the resurrection. Death paves the way for the resurrection. Death does not have the final word in the life of Christ. Death does not have the final word in the life of a believer. This is why Stephen in Acts 7 could take up words very similar to this. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. A statement of hope in death for the resurrection of the life that is to follow. Secured by Christ's final words in dying. So these words are not just dying words. They're they're words of life and hope for what was coming. What help the gospel provides for us in the midst of dying. It provides hope and perspective. The word from the cross tonight should transform our view of death. We follow our elder brother in committing ourselves to the Father in life and death, knowing that the resurrection lies on the other side of death. And we say in the words of Revelation 14, 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, because we have something to look forward to. Our faith is not just in Christ for this life, because then we would be of all men most miserable, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ raised from the dead. And already now, in these words, He's looking to that day. He's trusting in His Father that His Father will bring it to pass. And He lays His hand, His, his, his life in His Father's hands in light of what is to come. The glorious hope. The glorious hope of the resurrection of the imminent victory of Christ, the imminent victory of believers tonight. 
Lift up your eyes, my friend, and see Christ, the victorious Savior over death. Words of tremendous hope. But they also expose the utter hopelessness of those who die without Christ. If you're not in Christ, then I'd have you ever thought of that. Are you ready to die without the hope of the resurrection to eternal life? Because without Christ, you will not have that hope. Without repentance and faith in Christ, there will be a day of resurrection for you too, but not unto life. A day of resurrection to everlasting death and condemnation. That's a heavy thought, isn't it? pray you find life in Christ now. You bow the knee in repentance and faith now before it's too late. That in these words of Christ you would find life and hope for your own soul tonight. These words give hope. They give hope of victory. But finally and lastly, they offer life-giving access. Life-giving access. Jesus' final words speak of his control over death. His actions speak of control over death. But what did his death ultimately accomplish in these moments? In the Gospel of Luke, immediately prior to these words, we read that the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Luke is not concerned about chronology here. He's concerned about the topics, about the responses to the crucifixion. But if we turn to the other Gospels, to Matthew and Mark, we find there a different chronology, a concern for chronology. It's not that one is less or more than the other, but it helps us make sense of what is happening here if we follow the chronology of the other gospel writers. Matthew 27, 50 and 51, it reads this way, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom at the very moment that Jesus breathed his last. As he gave up the ghost, as he his spirit went back into the hands of the Father, the the veil was rent in two from top to bottom. Mark 15, 37 and 38, it stated, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and, and gave up the ghost. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The Gospel of John only says this, He bowed His head and gave up the ghost, but it speaks to his intentionality. It speaks to his death, to his control over death and what happened immediately upon his death. The veil of the temple was torn in two, miraculously. And why is it significant that the veil was torn in two pieces from top to bottom? It signals the death of Christ was effective. The sacrifice for sin is complete. Access is now opened to God, the Father, through Christ. 
the act of his death. The sovereign power and control over death. The anticipation of the resurrection. All of it led to the tearing of the veil. To make further sense and clarity of this, we read in Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 20, which the words that we opened worship with tonight, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. The author to the Hebrews here is drawing on the imagery of the Old Testament temple, the Old Testament worship. The veil prevented the people from entering into the holiest place. They're dependent on the high priest on the day of atonement to sprinkle blood there on the mercy seat. The Old Testament restricted access until Christ came by offering his flesh in death, by laying down his life voluntarily, his flesh. The veil was rent The holiest is opened and sinners can now approach God through Jesus Christ. Jesus has removed that veil once and for all. That veil that separates man from from God. He's consecrated. He's dedicated a new and living way. The apostle says in Hebrews 10. This way to God through Christ's death stands open. For sinners to come, even to come boldly to the throne of grace for help in time of need. That veil of separation is miraculously torn from the top to the bottom. Heaven started at the top of the veil and tore it all the way down to the bottom. Done what no man could do from the bottom up. Salvation is from top down by virtue of the death of Christ. Sufficient to open the way of access. The way of access to God. No impediment for sinners to come and find their life in Jesus Christ tonight. My friend, what hinders you from coming to Jesus? It can't be anything in his work, in his person, in his death, surely not. In fact, his death is telling you tonight that the way of access is open, a way of free access. You may come boldly. To find help in time of need. What qualifies as a need? Your sin. That's it. Come. The way of access is opened. As Christ breathes his last and dies. The veil is rent. He does so to offer life giving Access. The sentence of death is reversed for all those who come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Vividly pictured here. 
in his last words, in his last act of dying and the rending of the veil. There's a way of approach. Come and come boldly and do not wait. Jesus' last words, coupled with the rending of the veil, speak of the divine acceptance of the sacrifice. If God is pleased with that sacrifice, why aren't you? Nothing remains to be done except to repent and believe in Christ. Think of it this way tonight. Jesus gave his last physical breath so that you can take your first spiritual breath of pure, divine air and oxygen that breathes life into a dead soul. Think of the cross that way tonight. Words of comfort, words of hope, words of gospel. As Jesus struggles for his last breath, this is what he says. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. Famous last words. Don't ignore them. Amen. Lord, we thank Thee for this last word from the cross. That we find life in the Savior, continued life in Him, that our souls can be sustained even in the midst of dying. That we can say, blessed are those who die in the Lord from henceforth. That we know that blessing, that comfort of dying in Christ Jesus we know it now already when we're in health and strength. May we know it the days of our dying. We pray for those who stand afar off yet. For those who have not found life in Jesus and think they can go on without Him. Lord, don't let these famous last words of Christ testify against them. Let these words draw them draw them into the saving embrace of the Savior. That they would be drawn with cords of loving kindness. That they would know the life and the joy that comes from believing. Lord, we pray that this message would continue to resonate in our minds and hearts and transform how we look at death, transform how we view the cross, Transform our hearts with love for Christ. Lord, hear us now. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.